0: It is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for Session 68 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. I'm excited to share that the TBG store is now officially open for business. So if you've been waiting to get your hands on merch for the podcast, you can find it at therapyforblackgirls.com slash shop. For today's episode, I'm joined by Janae Hopgood to discuss healing after a miscarriage. Janae is a couple and family therapist, clinical sexologist, and sexuality educator in the Philadelphia area. She's originally from Brooklyn, New York, and holds two master's degrees in marriage and family therapy and Human Sexuality Education. She is currently a doctoral candidate at Widener University working on her dissertation for a Ph.D. in Human Sexuality Studies. Janae is also the founder of the blog BlackAngelMom.com, which focuses on perinatal loss in the Black community as well as family creation. Her passions include working with LGBTQ+, black couples, individuals, parenting, family of origin issues, fertility issues, femme empowerment, processing grief and loss, black feminism, racial justice, and healthy sexuality. Janae and I chatted about some of the common challenges experienced after a miscarriage, how miscarriages impact partnerships, how to support a loved one who's had a miscarriage, and of course, she shared all of her favorite books for you to learn more. If you hear something you think others should hear while you're listening, please share it on social media using the hashtag TBG in Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Janae. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I know, you know, we talked about um, the statistics, right, of how often women actually are struggling with miscarriages. So one in four pregnancies you mentioned actually do end in miscarriage. So this is likely an issue that lots of people know about and have experienced. And sometimes even if they didn't know that they were pregnant, right?
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. The statistic that I mentioned is definitely for people who were aware that they were pregnant. So that's Mm -hmm. what the reporting is about. But there's all those people who may just have thought that they had a late period um, that actually were pregnant but lost the pregnancy so yeah
0: yeah and so can you tell me a little bit about what are some of the common concerns or things that come up for women after a miscarriage
1: yeah so perinatal mood and anxiety disorders in general we sometimes refer to them as p meds mm-hmm. um, they come up for anyone who has um, or can come up for anyone who has had any kind of child or pregnancy or whatever but definitely when there is a loss involved it's kind of complicated um so it you're looking at the grief stuff right of like oh my gosh what's what's going on with my body what happened in the situation all the uh stages of grief as we could go through them if we wanted to but like all those same things happen uh for people who experience perinatal loss and then things like anxiety and depression and irritability and anger um OCD, you know, obsessive compulsive types of Mm -hmm. um, disorders and, and just behaviors, Um, even psychosis. And, you know, where you're seeing or hearing things or having delusions or just seeming kind of odd and and out of it and not like yourself, Mm -hmm. Um, all those things, all those things show up disordered thinking, um, sometimes people feeling like they want to hurt themselves or other people, suicidal ideation, all that kind of stuff um, comes up.
0: Yeah, and um, can you talk more about, like, the OCD piece? Like, do you know why, like, OCD-type behaviors might
1: be something that pops up afterwards? Sure, it's really about um, wanting to be... A perfectionist (laughs) to a degree. So people who actually people who have more perfectionistic type of characteristics and their regular personality Mm -hmm. are more likely to develop forms of postpartum depression and perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, Um, because things are not especially also if you're related to if you're having a loss, right, because things didn't go the way that you wanted them to go. So then you become very hypervigilant and very focused on making things happen the way that you want them to happen. So that can come out as um, excessive cleaning, that can come out of your space, of yourself, that can come out as obsessive thoughts or um, you know, just constantly ruminating over what happened and what you could have done differently or what you would do next time and who did what and, and just not being able to get a handle on the impulses or the thoughts that you're actually having um, as a result of feeling really out of control. Right. Um, so then you're trying to kind of make up for that and your brain is trying to figure out and your body too is just trying to figure out like what the heck just happened and how can we, you know, correct that to get through this distressing period
0: right and i can imagine um you know and kind of listening to people's stories and reading one of the common things that come up for people is guilt yes. like is there something that i could have done to avoid this mm-hmm. um so can you talk more about that because i'm sure you see a lot of that
1: yeah absolutely i mean you know there's this though parenthood motherhood is not for every person with a vagina and a uterus right like mm-hmm. every person doesn't want to do that our society tells us that that's what a woman's role is so there's all this messaging that we get around if you have these body parts then that means that you should be making babies Mm-hmm. and when you don't do that it makes you question or when you're not able to or something comes up and and you're able to maybe get pregnant but then you lose it or you're able to go through almost your entire pregnancy and the baby passes away or there's a placental ab- abruption or there's something that goes on with your body you then start to blame yourself right and that's again part of like stages of, of grief and loss where you're trying to figure out what happened and you're trying to bargain and you're trying and you're always thinking about what did i do or what if i had called the doctor sooner what if i had not lifted that heavy thing what if i hadn't had sex that day or what if i didn't eat that spicy tuna roll or something you know what i mean like whatever you start to think about all these different things that you should have could have would have done in hopes that that would make it different. That would make the outcome different. So it's kind of like you know what happened, but you're struggling with accepting that reality. And then you're feeling guilty because in our messaging, our body is supposed to be able our bodies are supposed to be able to hold and create life. So when it doesn't happen, it just kind of throws everything off and you feel like it's something that I did. Right. Because like guilt is like I did something bad and shame is like I am bad. So sometimes those two things interlock and overlap and all that but definitely people experience that like i did something that caused this thing to happen and people also say horrible things to people Mm -hmm. who have lost children Mm -hmm. i don't think that they always mean to say not so great things but people are always trying everyone's always trying to figure out the why Mm-hmm. And a lot of some of the time you don't actually have a clear reason for, for what occurred.
0: Right. right. I think probably the majority of time you don't.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah unless you get some extra testing right. or whatever, like you're not necessarily going to know what happened that, resulted in this loss but Mm -hmm. people are always asking why and there's all these wives tales about what Mm -hmm. um you know what you could have done or didn't do don't eat that spicy thing makes don't lift that case of water because then you'll miscarry like there's all these messages that come around that so it makes you feel again how we're socialized is that i must have caused this in some way because i should have been able to do this and the fact that i wasn't or i'm not able to or i lost this pregnancy or whatever indicates that then i must be i must have done something to make that happen. And it's disordered thinking, but it's also you feel responsible. Right,
0: right. And I I think you bring up a good point, Janae, about, you know, like how society kind of grooms us to believe that if you have these parts, that this is what your body should be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious to know if there are any like, cultural kind of nuance that you want to add to the conversation just related to Black women, right? Like, does that take the conversation even in a different direction um, because of some of the cultural pieces of being Black women?
1: Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) if you even, I mean, goodness, we have been, as Black women, we have been mothering and raising everyone forever. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so that's kind of, um, it's ingrained in us from the from the womb, almost. It's ingrained in us in the way that we socialize our, our female body children. You know, like we, we socialize them to do things that are more along the lines of homemaking and um, mothering and parenting and things like that. So there's, again, there's all these messages around this is what we do. We're about family. We're about creating life. We're about taking care of little people and raising them up. So I think that we, we, we get that. Um, we get that in general as women, but we definitely get that from a cultural perspective. Um, and we get more questions sometimes about why we don't have kids if we are older mm-hmm. or if we haven't, if we're in a relationship and we haven't created children or whatever, we get a lot of that that line of questioning, like, well, what's, what's going on? Then people start with the other questions that are offensive as heck, you know, (laughs) are you, are you a lesbian? Are you this, are you that, or, you know, whatever that is not asked from actually a place of curiosity. It's asked from a place of shame. Right.
0: So what kinds of strategies or things do you do with your clients who are struggling maybe with a miscarriage or a stillbirth? Um, and, and actually, let's back up because are there some differences like the the healing process if it's a miscarriage versus a loss later in pregnancy?
1: Um, I mean, there there's differences in the sense that frankly, of what you might have going out of the experience. So if you have an early term miscarriage, then you're not going to necessarily have ashes or a funeral or, you know, things like that. So the the tangible tangibility of what you might have Mm -hmm. is um, can be different. Right. So you might be able to do more things. With a person who lost a child or children later on in their pregnancy, um, like you can do cremation jewelry, you can have a memorial service or a funeral, you can um, you know visit grave sites and things like that that you're not going to necessarily be able to do if if you had a miscarriage at eight weeks or 10 weeks or something like that. Um, but in terms of the overall like healing process and, and care and the work that you do, it's not, um, it's not entirely different given the time that you lost your, your little one. So you can do everything from ultrasound pictures to, um, to visiting a grave site or having a balloon release, which is not that great for the environment, but, you know, it happens. Um, Doing a balloon release or a lantern, you can do cremation jewelry, you can do memorial tattoos, which is really, really um, popular. You can also do walks that are during perinatal loss month or infant loss month, which is in October. So it's called, one of them in particular is called the Walk to Remember, but it's basically you know, a walk, look like at any other walk like the March of Dimes or whatever that is done to raise money for awareness around perinatal loss. But basically at 7 p.m. across the world, everyone lights a candle for their lost little one or someone that they know who lost a child. So basically it creates a continuous wave of light for 24 hours um because it's done around the world so little things like that you can do to help memorialize and honor your little one and and engage in rituals to remember them like maybe you want to remember their birthday or maybe you want to remember the day that you found out that you were pregnant you want to name them if you haven't named them giving Your little one a name is really important. And saying that out loud is really important. And having people use that name when they address your child is really important as well.
0: It sounds like rituals would be a part of your work, like helping your clients to maybe develop some kinds of rituals to memorialize and remember and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things might you do specifically around some of the guilt or some of the anxiety that might pop up after a miscarriage?
1: Yeah, reality testing. Um, Reality testing is really important so you know asking is there evidence of this thing so if you say that you know i'm a horrible person my body is dysfunctional or malfunctioning or whatever which is something that i've heard you know is how much evidence do you have to support that and you know if you just have this one thing that happened even though it was a huge thing but if this is one thing that happens then you can't necessarily make a blanket statement about something. So I do a lot of that kind of reframing and um, reality testing. Is there evidence to support that this thing is going on in your life? Um, And consistent evidence, again, not just like one thing. Um, Also, just allowing space for people to say what they feel, right? Because you can't everyone wants to fix everything. And it's really, it's not easy as a clinician or even as a friend or whatever to always hold space for someone who is hurting because you Mm -hmm. don't want them to be hurting. You want them to feel better. You want to see what you can do to make it better. Um, But sometimes, especially in circumstances like this, you just can't, you can't change what happened. It happened, right? So, but I can sit here with you in this space. I can acknowledge that that's how you're feeling about it and that your feelings are valid. And, um, you know, I'm going to help you work through those feelings because it might not necessarily be helpful for you to stay in that place for a long time, but sometimes people just need to get that out because nobody lets them say it. Right. Like nobody lets them be, um, in that, that space. People always want to rush them to feeling better. And it's it's a process and there's no time limit on your grief. Like it's going to, it'll move, you'll move through it when you're able to move through it. So allowing space, doing some, you know, is there evidence of this thing that is happening or is it just this one instance that came up? Also self-care, You know, self-care is very, 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 very important. Being kind to yourself is also part of self-care, obviously, but actually like using kind words and kind language towards yourself. So saying things that are disparaging about your body and um, about your abilities or whatever, in the long run, that does a number on your self-esteem and your self-worth. So doing a lot of reframing work and self-care work and positive affirmation work where we can is definitely something I also do in session.
0: And Janae, I think, another thing that likely comes up is um probably some trepidation and anxiety about like
1: even trying to get pregnant again mm-hmm. is that
0: something that you see
1: with your clients absolutely people are terrified yeah they're terrified because you've had now this horrible experience right and then you're also like so for some people it's extremely painful for some people maybe not as much some people it's simply it's not simply but for some people it's just blood for other people they've gone through a whole birth experience where maybe mm-hmm. they needed an epidural maybe they needed forceps maybe they had some kind of traumatic birth situation um and so the trauma of the loss is there but then also the trauma of that birth experience and in some instances some of these hospitals and places they send you home they'll say okay well just go home and wait until you start to miscarry oh, which wow. is horrifying right mm-hmm. like how like that's terrible. They told, they told me that they said, you can go home if you want. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going (laughs) home. Like I'm terrified to do that and be experiencing that on my own. Um, so, yeah, people have had this horrifying thing happen, this very traumatic event, maybe multiple traumas that have happened the the trauma of finding out that you're going to lose the pregnancy or the baby's heart stop or you had a placental abruption or you're going into labor too soon or whatever like you've had that that informational trauma, then you've had the physical trauma of whatever has happened, and then you have the actual loss, like okay, now this thing is this period of my life is over, so people are terrified like it's it's absolutely like it can absolutely be a post-traumatic stress type of situation Mm -hmm. where anything that comes up that is related to that event is going to trigger you and can cause all kinds of things grief bursts, anxiety um, grief bursts are just kind of like out of the blue. Sometimes there's a cause for it. There's a trigger, like something happened and then you just burst out in the tears. And sometimes it's not. You could be just kind of walking down the street and then all of a sudden you're flooded with emotions and you break down. That is very, really common in people who have experienced perinatal loss. So yeah, all these things can can show up at any given time. And then unlike some other traumatic situations that where someone might develop something like post-traumatic stress disorder, they they may not have the exact experience again, right? So they, it might be certain things that trigger a person feeling a stress response in a normal situation. Dealing with perinatal loss, you're literally doing the same things that you just did. Right? You're literally going to the same, maybe the same doctor. And even if you're not going to the same doctor, you're doing the same type of things. Your feet are still in the stirrups. You're still getting your checks. You're still getting ultrasound pictures. You're still getting blood work. You're still, so you have all these constant environmental and physical triggers that make it really hard for you to to even say, yeah, let me go down that road again. Right, like
0: who's trying to sign up for that again? Exactly, exactly.
1: It's horrifying for folks. It's horrifying for folks. And then sometimes they're really weighing out what what weighs more, what's more important to me, me trying to achieve this goal of being a parent or like my sanity, because Mm -hmm. I'm tripping right now, like trying to go to this doctor. I'm tripping going past this hospital where I know I gave birth. And where I had to leave my 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 kids or whatever like that that's horrifying. So people definitely have some trouble um, making the decision to con- to try again and to continue again. And also, it's disappointment. Like you had this thing, and maybe yeah. you've maybe you've done a lot of work. A lot of people, there's a lot of people who need assistance with fertility who do assisted reproductive technologies (ART). Like there's a lot of people who need a little help in that area so if you've done all of this stuff where you feel like you've done all the right things you've seen the right doctors you had the right blood work you may have maybe you changed your diet maybe you started working out more maybe you decreased your stress level whatever you tried to do all these things to prepare your body for this experience and then came crashing down
0: right
1: that's like hella disappointing and do I want to experience that level of disappointment again? And and on top of that, the recognition that in a lot of instances, people, people barely make it out of that. Mm. A lot of relationships fail. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Like,
0: what is the impact on, you know,
1: like relationships? Exactly. A lot of relationships fail as a result of a child dying. And that's even for, you know later in life, I'm not even talking about perinatal loss, but Mm -hmm. just in general, like the loss of a child, a lot of relationships don't survive that because you have it. Well, I'll come back to that. (laughs) There's there's a lot of things around that. But um, and also like individually, you may not like you may have been at a place where you didn't want to continue living. Mm -hmm. And that may have been the lowest point that you've ever had in your life. Right. And like, oh, I'm terrified to even go back there because what if You know, God forbid this happens again, then what? Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. So what kinds of things could you possibly do? I mean, and you've already said, right, like even as therapists, you know, no matter your level of skill or whatever, like some stuff is just really rough and you're only job is to really be able to sit with a client through some of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what kinds of strategies or things might you be able to do too? you know, so let's say somebody says this was awful, but I know in my heart that I really want to be a parent. So I want to get to a place where I can try again. Um, what kinds of things might you be able to do with them to kind of work through the anxiety of like doctor's visits and all of this stuff to help them get in a better place
1: to be able to try again? Um a few things so naming it right like actually saying i'm scared (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's okay for me to say that for people to say like i'm i am nervous as hell about going back to this appointment or trying this thing again so putting words to the feeling so that they're not just kind of bottled up or boiling up in you and festering and then you know creating other problems down the line with stress and, and indigestion and whatever other things can come up from holding things in so actually like using the your words and saying this is this is really scary for me um taking a support person with you try as often as you can to like bring bring your partner to appointments bring a friend bring a parent or um you know just someone that you feel very loved and supported by bring them with you to the appointment so that you're not doing it alone And sometimes that's challenging because, you know, when appointments are or how often you may need to go, especially if you're doing fertility treatments. But as often as you can, try not to be in the spaces by yourself. Um, Also thinking literally, which I think I mentioned a little bit earlier, but about what is kind of what's in your area of control, (laughs) like what can so really being very concrete about what you can control and what you can't. Ultimately, none of us can control the outcome of a pregnancy. We don't know whether it's going to stay or it's going to not like you don't know. But what you can control is making sure that you're getting to appointments, making sure you're doing the right dietary things that you need to do um, just for health, for yourself and for your child, Um, making sure that you have access to whatever support lines are available. Some some doctors offices actually have or even midwifery services have um, like almost like a, a crisis call line where you can call and just ask a quick question or be seen very quickly. So like, if you just need, if you're having some anxiety or something and you are feeling like, I don't know, it's too long until my next ultrasound appointment or whatever, you can go in and get a quick ultrasound, like immediately. So mm-hmm. finding out what those, what those services are that your particular physician offers is also really helpful because again, that's like something that you can control. So then you know that you have the supportive services in place. Thinking about what what areas you may, um, sometimes you can actually use the negative thoughts and the guilty thoughts that you were having before to inform what you do moving forward, right? So if if I felt that I had, that something was going wrong or whatever, and maybe I called the doctor and maybe they dismissed me, well, then you know that moving forward, you might be a little bit more adamant, right? Like you mm-hmm. will say like, I'm not, not, no, you will not dismiss me. I need to come in immediately. And even if you come in and they're like, oh my gosh, she's back again, or they're back, they're back again <laughs> right, right. and everything's fine, whatever. But you know, you went, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so just thinking about what is in your locus of control to, to address and to support and to help reduce some anxiety. Also self-care of course is important. Recognizing where some of your um, some of your responses are coming from, like there, it's trauma related. So seek support, support groups. There's support groups for people who are pregnant with their rainbow babies, which rainbow is just the baby that you have after the baby that you lost. There's plenty of support groups that are out there for, for free for that type of service. Finding out what supports exist through your physician's office and um, going to therapy listening to podcasts, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that, that helps to give you some information, but also gives you some support and a space for you to talk, going on some of the forums. There are forums, mm-hmm. particularly for people who have, um, who are going through fertility issues um, and they're, topics about everything pretty much right. so yeah
0: and I think that's one of the like beauties and maybe sometimes curses of the internet oh, right because yeah. I think you can find incredible spaces of support like the baby center boards and all of those mm-hmm. are incredible yep. um, but I think they can also increase anxiety sometimes yes. um, so I do want people to be careful like yes it can be support but also know your limits when you're kind of participating in the forums
1: yes absolutely because yeah. you yeah. will get a lot of information <laughs> right and even just in general being in like as a lost parent or angel parent myself you know you I've experienced or heard or read or whatever people's stories and I'm like oh my god like you know this like that didn't happen to me but it's like wow there's Mm -hmm. so many things that can happen and then of course that also can raise your anxiety so you know instead of you know I think use it for what it's worth like you said right know when to set your limits and know when to you know take a break and Consult with your actual physician about your situation, not everything else that could possibly
0: be going on yeah that's (laughs) a great point yeah and when you mentioned the whole thing of like using your negative thoughts from the previous times to kind of inform future decisions it made me think about like all the research and um stuff that we probably already knew was going on but now there are numbers to support our experiences Mm -hmm. um in terms of you know like black women not being listened to by their doctors yes you know sometimes having to be more forceful and assertive and saying you know like i know that this is going on this
1: is my body i want to be checked out kind of um so i think that
0: adds to like some of the cultural pieces we were talking about earlier
1: too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah absolutely and have those conversations up front when you go see if you go to the same doctor that you were seeing when you were pregnant before or if you choose someone new be sure to have that consultation and say like hey this is what happened before mm-hmm. and this is what I did not appreciate. So I'm looking for a practitioner or someone who is going to be a little more responsive. I mean, I I changed doctors, and I had to say that to them. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, OK, listen, here's the deal about what occurred. This is not what I want. And that's how I found out about the kind of the emergency um, center, where you can get extra ultrasounds in between your appointments if you need to check on things or whatever. Um, so yeah, advocate for yourself.
0: Yeah. So I do want to go back to the relationship piece um yes. that we touched on a little <laughs> bit because I do think that will be important um mm-hmm. like just the experience or the impact that this kind of experience has on a couple or a partnership.
1: Yeah. So loss is hard, man. I mean, loss is hard for for everyone, but and loss is different for everyone. So everyone has a different response to this kind of trauma the person who was pregnant has the the physical body trauma response and of course the grief and loss around that and and they may manifest that in a variety of ways people who have a uterus usually are a little bit more um Emotional and that they may cry more, they may go to more places of depression um, and anxiety, um, and sometimes some irritability as well, but those are kind of like the typical things that show up um, in response to loss. If you are in a heterosexual relationship though, sometimes the male partner does not um, emote in the same way. Um, and so there's sometimes this discrepancy where people are like, he doesn't care it didn't affect him as much as it affected me. Um, he's just focused on work or on hanging out with his friends or on whatever else besides whatever the emotional piece is that the, that the female partner is experiencing. Um, so sometimes, well, a lot of times that leads to a lot of fights in, in my experience. Um, it's a lot of like, you don't love the baby as much as I love them. Mm-hmm. you didn't miss them you don't miss them as much as i miss them you don't you don't really care or you just want to replace you want you want me to just get pregnant again like right away and i'm still dealing with the grief and loss around that so there's this kind of comparison and you know who loves the baby more kind of thing, which just breeds a lot more fights and a lot more lack of communication and misunderstandings and things like that. Um, Also, the loss is so, can be so challenging that sometimes people just don't talk about it, period, right? Like they don't really want to address it. So they're either going on about their day as though it didn't really happen, or maybe they are really emotional and having like emotional experiences, but they're not actually communicating about like, man, like this just happened to us. Like, are you okay? Are you okay? Like, what do you, what do you need? How can we help? Um, Trying to find a sense of normalcy after a loss is really challenging. And the fact is like people try and get back to normal quote unquote, but you, you got a new normal now. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, your life is not going to look how it looked before because you've had this traumatic event that has happened. And I I will put a caveat that everybody doesn't see a miscarriage or a stillborn or a neonate death as um, something traumatic. Actually, I will say more so for a miscarriage. Sometimes people have them and it's not that big a deal for them, just like anything else. You know what I mean? Sometimes people have a trauma response and sometimes people don't, but usually, or more often than not, people have some feelings about it when it occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's important to acknowledge those feelings and to talk about those feelings and to get some support um, from a therapist or a counselor or if you know, you're a spiritual leader, if that's where you feel like going, like wherever, it's important for you to have that extra level of support and communication about it because you can't brush it under the rug. So when couples decide to either turn on each other because they're angry and don't know what to do with that part of their grief, or they turn away from each other in distress instead of turning towards each other to support, they turn away and they seek support from outside sources, whether that's their friends or their job or whatever, something to distract them from whatever happens. Um, Or, or they just become like really, really contentious with each other in their home environment, all those things put a significant strain on their relationship. So you got the person, like I said, that has been pregnant, that has the body trauma and the emotional response to it. And then you have the person who witnessed all of that, right? Like the person who was there in the delivery room, the person who was in the bathroom and saw all the blood or saw you in so much pain, the person who loves you and couldn't help you, and like what that brings up for them in terms of their own feelings of guilt and feelings of incompetence. I've heard that so many times that like mm-hmm. I feel like I couldn't, like I'm incompetent. I couldn't do anything to stop this. So I didn't make a different decision earlier on that maybe would have not had us be in this particular situation. There's often a, a the, the person who is not pregnant is often in a position of support and they want to support and protect the person who is. And when they can't, and they see the dismantling that occurs as a result of perinatal loss, they are lost. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to do. And they don't know what to do with the feelings around it because people also, um, I have a, one of my blog posts earlier on was about this. Like, are they, are they asking how you are? or Are they just asking you about how your partner is? Mm -hmm. People always do that too. They totally dismiss that this other partner has had an experience too. And though it may look a little different, they were there. They had the experience, they had a loss as well. They may have had these dreams and hopes for their new identity as a parent that now they they don't have access to that. And then they are, it's disenfranchised in a way because then people aren't even checking on them. Mm -hmm. They're just like, oh, how's so-and-so doing? I know you got, I'm sorry for your loss. How's she doing? And it's like- okay, she's going through her stuff, but what about me? Like, I'm right. feeling stuff too. Right, right. <clears throat> so, yeah, and I, I'm glad
0: you brought that up because I do think that that is often lost in the conversations, right, because so much of the focus is on whoever was actually, you know, pregnant,
1: mm-hmm. um, that
0: we don't often pay attention to the partner's experience of the loss as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it sounds like in addition to individual therapy, sometimes couples therapy would be a good option after a loss as well.
1: 100%. It mm-hmm. is like... I think that is actually what you should be doing. <laughs> Got you. Um, because and people may need, you know, extra breakout sessions or maybe want to continue ongoing individual. But this happened to the two of you. If you're in a couple, it mm-hmm. didn't just happen to the person who was pregnant, mm-hmm. right? So like y- y'all both should be in here. Like, <laughs> you both should be in here talking about this and figuring out how you can support each other and move forward, and also allowing space. For everyone to have their feelings, because even though some of the feelings come from other people, like people kind of invalidating the partner's experience, sometimes that also comes from. Um, sometimes that also comes from the partner, like the person who was pregnant, mm-hmm. where they are just like, "Oh, I, I'm feeling this thing. This is horrible. This happened to me," and they're ignoring that their partner had an yeah. experience. Right. And so you have to process and work through some of that stuff. It's important.
0: And I think the other thing that people often, um, I know I've had listeners ask questions about, like, okay, one of my best friends just had a miscarriage and I don't know what to do or I don't know what to say. So, what suggestions would you have for like family and friends outside of the partnership um, who like want to offer support or to do something to be helpful?
1: Listen, listen be willing to hear the story. Um, there's a lot of healing in people telling their story. So there's gotta be people to who are willing to witness your grief is really what it's, it's called, the term for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so being in a position where you're willing to hear what the person has to say and all their feelings and not being in the space of trying to correct it or provide some saying that you think is helpful that might not be you know like one of the things i've i've heard so many times is um and i think it it means well and of course the image is sweet but like when they're like oh that baby is jesus needed a baby for his Mm -hmm. garden or that baby sitting on jesus's lap until you get there like that's that's not helpful i know you think it is but it's not because the people i guarantee you they prefer that baby to be with them right (laughs) right like not picking flowers in the garden in heaven somewhere you know what i'm saying like that's so i i think being try like there's a reason that we have two ears and one mouth so like listen more than you speak Mm -hmm. it's like really 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 important um be willing to be part of rituals if you if you need to you know if they if that person asks you to be there to hold their hand while they light their candles or to um release a balloon for them or to to light a candle during the wave of light or whatever like be open to receive that um and to participate in that um Small things like, well, this is not small, actually, it's actually kind of big, but um, make dinner, Mm. make dinner for somebody, bring, go to the supermarket and bring some groceries over the, like the two days after we had our loss, one of our, one of my friends, um, went to the supermarket and just like came to our house with like 10 bags of groceries. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. extreme. Like it wasn't something that I would have asked for because the people right. kept saying, do you need anything? Let me know if you need anything. And I I had no words. Like, I don't know what I need, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but not having to worry about food <laughs> was right. an extremely, extremely helpful thing. Do somebody's laundry, mm-hmm. come wash some dishes. Right. You know what I mean? like, I don't, I don't know. Say, say the child's name, mm-hmm. right? Ask, ask them about them. Ask if you're comfortable and not, you don't put yourself in situations where you're not comfortable, but if you are, let them show you pictures mm-hmm. if they want to, because that, even though it may look strange to you because people are not used to seeing children who are deceased mm-hmm. um, or very early babies who are born um, to them, that's beautiful. Yeah. And they stare at those pictures all the time, probably. Right. And they they look at them and they, they want to show people, but they're scared because they don't want people to be offended. They don't want people to be grossed out. They don't want people to be, you know, offensive um, in their response and in their language. So they, they hide and they keep that part very separate, but they want to show you most of the time. Mm-hmm. And they would love for someone to say, do you have pictures? Or tell me about them or tell me, tell me what, what their names were or, you know, when's their birthday? So if you can even, this is kind of a bigger thing, but in the age of social media, you might be able to do it very easily, but um, try and remember their birthday. Yeah. And just say, Hey, I was thinking of you. I know it's so-and-so's birthday today. Mm-hmm. You know, they, that's, that's important. Um, holding space, holding space, being part of rituals, being a support person, Offer to, to do something that helps memorialize their lost one, right? Like someone um, donated two trees in honor of our girls. We had twins like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Someone had two trees planted for them. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Somebody else got us uh, cremation jewelry. So some of, our, of their ashes are in uh, um, two necklaces that I have and a bracelet that my partner has. Showing that you care and that you understand that this was important to mm-hmm. the person, and that you didn't forget that's like the biggest thing. People are right. so worried, lost parents are so worried that people will forget that this happened to them, and they'll forget their little one mm-hmm. and that's terrifying and infuriating, right So like if you can show that you didn't forget and that you care about them and you care about what happened and you care about the story, that's always really helpful.
0: yeah. Lots of great suggestions there, Janae. So, what are some of your favorite resources for people who want to read more or learn more or find out where they can get some support? What are some of your favorite
1: resources for that? Sure. So, um, in terms of like infertility and um, some loss related to that, I know I use Resolve a lot. Um, so, resolve.com is like a forum place and like i said it's a topic for pretty much anything that you could ever think of um they have spaces there for people to to look things up um postpartum support international so psi is the organization but uh their website is postpartum.net they have a lot of resources um for supportive services in whatever community like there's a map so you can pick your state and your city or whatever and see who's available in your area that specializes in this type of thing um the pregnancy loss directory um that's from it's created by the the woman who did um Return to Zero, which is a, a film, it's on, it's on Netflix if you haven't seen it, but it's about, um, it's about perinatal loss and it's about a stillbirth and, and her experience. But anyway, she has a directory of clinicians, um, again, by state that you can go to. Um, two people I met this weekend are two works that I've seen this, this past, um, I was just at a conference for perinatal um, mood and anxiety disorders, but one book is called A Dark Secret. And it's about women of color's experiences with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, um, sometimes related to loss, sometimes just related to postpartum stuff. But that's really helpful, um, written by a woman of color. So great book. Um, check that out. Um, there's a journal I also got that is called uh, Recovery State of Mind. And that's, um, that is a journal also done by a woman of color that is, is sponsored by a project that deals with perinatal loss for Black women called Shades of Blue. Um, the this is a book that is not done by people by a person of color but I found it really helpful in working with people around grief and loss there's a book called on grief and grieving and it's um, it's by the author David Kessler but um, it really goes through grief and grieving and the inner world of grief and the outer world of grief and and just really kind of helps you get a better handle understanding on on what's happening for you in terms of any kind of loss, really. But it's obviously applicable to perinatal loss as well. Um, So really helpful. Um, I had the Black Angel Mom blog. And I also have a, um, a closed Facebook support group called Black Angel Moms. You can access that by clicking on the Facebook icon on the blog, it'll take you right to the group and you have to answer some questions in order to get in. But that's a group that's exclusively for Black moms who have experienced perinatal loss. The Perinatal Mental Health um, Alliance for Women of Color, it's uh, a division of PSI, the Postpartum Support International, but they, it's, it's all women of color um, support people and professionals who deal with perinatal loss, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, There'll be a directory coming soon. So just some great, great stuff to find support um, in general and then also some support like for us Black women. Yeah.
0: And where can we
1: find out more information about you and your practice, Janine? Sure. So my personal website is jhjtherapy.com. So it's just my initials. Um, So on there kind of talks about what, what I do and, you know, if people wanted to contact me regarding working together or um, coming to see me for session or whatever, that has all that information there. Um, And then, you can also contact me through the BlackAngelMom.com blog. There's a contact me page. Um, but if you're not really sure about whether you want to see someone yet, but you really wanna like just have some material to read about this stuff, have some things to share with your family and friends, because I tend to do some posts about um what's helpful and what's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, what's some information that you you should know or could be helpful for you, in addition to just like processing general feelings, but that's um that's available as well. So you can just browse and see what you like, show some people some stuff or comment or share or whatever. Um, So either jhjtherapy.com or blackangelmom.com, either way, people can reach me.
0: Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for all of this information, Janae. I know it will be really helpful for people.
1: Yes, I'm hoping so. That is why I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
0: It was so great to chat with Janae. One of the things I love most about the podcast is learning new things from my colleagues. Be sure to check out the book she mentioned, as well as her blog. You can find this information in the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 68. And make sure to share this episode with two new people in your life, or share your takeaways in your IG stories. Make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com directory. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thanks again for joining me this week. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care.